Jones. I've got the questions up and I've got a question. I've got a question from uh, one of the one-to-one check-ins as well. I think I like that. Uh, thanks for putting that um, uh, the check-in thing together what, for me. What hand? Oh, we're live, by the way. Oh, no, I'm trying to trying to explain myself. He's so articulate. Yes, you're welcome. Okay, shall we start? Also, we're live on my business page, which we never go live on because for some reason I can't get into the Commit 6 group. <laughs> Locked out of my own group. I bet I have done something, just like removed myself. But um, if anyone has any live questions they want to ask us as well, fire on. Um, but for now, Andy, take Let's it away go. with the question. Perfect. Okay, so one of the uh, one of my one-to-one check-ins. Um, we've had we've had this discussion, but quite interesting to get your viewpoint on it. Um, my fruit and veg intake is not brilliant, three to five a day, which is actually still not pretty, not bad. Uh, I do get a painful stomach and feel very bloated when I eat a lot of fruit and veg. Happy to eat more, but it doesn't seem worth it due to the bloating. I, is this a bad thing? I know it's good for me with fibre and nutrition-wise, but... But. Is but. she Scottish? Scottish people always finish their conversations with... But. Actually, no. It's Melody, so she's Welsh. Oh. It always really confused me. I, I'd always be like, but... <laughs> and they'd but, just be but. like, but... Anyway, um, yeah, so if it's causing you distress, um, wait, Andy, can I still hear you? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, hold on. Um, yeah, if it's causing you distress or bloating, like, then potentially just keeping it at a bit lower, like, three to five a day is a decent amount. You also yeah. might want to look at which foods are causing that. So it might not be all fruit and veg, it might just be some fruit and veg. So there could be things that, especially things high in FODMAPs that might be especially causing you bloating. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't overstress about it. That, that that would be my advice. Do you have anything to add? No, I think that's pretty good. Uh, it's pretty much what we discussed through that one. So I think it's, um, I think that's all really on that one. Um, okay. Um, is there such a thing as too much water? I'm having four to five litres a day, but I am on the move most of the day. Um, I would say the, the only time you'll know if there's too much water is the fact that you never say goodbye to the toilet. Um, but I think it's, it is one of those sort of recurring myths that you need to drink five litres a day. I don't think anybody need. I don't, I think it's, it's, pretty much overkill if you do that so um yeah the water thing's interesting like we used to get check-ins all the time for commit six and people would be like i'm doing really well i just the only thing is i just need to drink more water and then i think i'll lose body fat and i'm like "Mm, that's not what's stopping you losing body fat not directly anyway like some people find that they're thirsty not hungry you know like they're not drinking enough water in that if they actually just had a glass of water instead of picking at their i don't know picking snacks at their desk all day that would be beneficial so from a behavioral standpoint drinking more water can impact fat loss but from like a physiological standpoint not directly anyway and the one brilliant thing i mean there are many brilliant things about the body but we have this amazing 
mechanism called homeostasis where your body will want to stay at a certain hydration level. So that's why when you drink a hell of a lot, you end up peeing quite a lot. When you Mm. don't drink very much, you don't pee very much because your body's trying to retain as much water as it wants to sort of optimally function. So having more and more water doesn't actually mean that you're maintaining more and more water. It probably just means that you're going to pee a hell of a lot. So as Andy's saying, if you find that you're on the toilet all the time throughout the day, then it's probably that you're drinking too much. Yeah. But the reason that I think the most people suggest drinking more water is because most people don't drink enough water. Yeah. Well, that's that's right. That, you know, if you, like uh, the number of people who I have coming to me for certainly in-person coaching, and it's like generally like less than 500 mils a day, they need to up their game. But some they need to in- get on the Mac B train. The Mac B train, <laughs> sponsored by Mac B. Oh, um, I can't wait till Mac B sponsor us. I think we should we, we should start we should start inquiries. We'll start yeah. a petition. We'll start a petition. <laughs> cool. Right. Next question. Uh, the motivation, no motivation question. I know the ESG fitness way is not to be mo- is not to wait to be motivated and just to do it. I am still struggling to keep on track. I'm still doing work a workouts I can in brackets. I'm injured and still tracking and hitting the targets. It's just really not easy and it's a constant mental battle with myself to keep doing it. I tell myself I'm lucky to get to do X Y Z, but how do you tell yourself to be lucky to eat fewer calories, especially when results are painfully slow? I've been thinking a lot about what it makes about what makes me do other things that I do. I go to work because I find it interesting and they pay me. I read because I enjoy it. I tidy my house because I hate mess and you see an instant result from cleaning, etc. All of these things do have a motivating factor and I'm finding it tricky to tap into that for my results for myself. I haven't lost anything from my measurements, so I'm worried about wavering over the Christmas period. This is such a good question and I think God, there's so many sort of avenues you could take with this but I think realizing that eating less is a choice and do you know what maybe having a bit of a step back and thinking do you like assuming that fat loss is the goal because it sounds like it is how much do you actually want that and I'm not saying how much do you want it as in like a lot of trainers are like how much do you want it if you don't want it enough you don't deserve results yeah but how much do you want it as in is it worth making those sacrifices? Because you do have to make sacrifices to lose body fat and you do have to motivate yourself to get to the gym and you do have to eat well and and make these different food choices that maybe you would prefer to eat something else. Like there is a sacrifice to be made here. And if you don't want it enough, then you won't want to make that sacrifice. Now that's not the same as just throwing like, you don't want it enough, you don't deserve results in your face. But the truth is you, like you won't get results from the work that you didn't do. And actually fat loss is pretty fair in that if you create an energy deficit over time, you will get results, like end of discussion. Like that, that is just how it works. And I find that quite motivating because you're getting a reward for the effort that you've put in. But I think there's often a, like, and this might not be this person, so I don't want to like throw this on this person, but there's a, discrepancy between what we expect from the effort we've put in and what we actually get so it might be that like i expected after six weeks of making x amount of effort that she's made i would have been closer to my goal now the fact is you're not which means that you haven't put effort in the right places or enough effort in the right places or 
you would have got that result. And a really like crude way to look at it, but kind of like it oversimplifies it, but makes a good point. Is like, if I was like, I want to walk to the shop and I expect to get there in 30 minutes, but actually it takes me 40 minutes to get there. But 30 minutes in, I expected to get there. And it's almost like you you feel like you're entitled to those results because you've done X amount of work. And we often hear that like, oh, you know, I, I go to the gym three times a week, so why am I not in great shape yet? Well, because actually to get in the shape that you want to get in, you need to work harder than that. You need to put in more effort in different places. Like sometimes it's it's one of two things. Like either your effort has been misplaced, which I know it, it hasn't because you're on commit six and we make sure that your efforts are placed in the right places to get the best results for whatever goal you have. Or you haven't put in enough effort over enough period of time yet to get the result that you wanted. And that's like maybe a tough truth, but I actually find like that quite freeing. I'm like, oh, it's in my control. I can change that. You're just not there yet is basically what it's saying. Do you want to work harder? So now you're at this position where there is no benefit to feeling the way you're feeling now. Like almost like, and again, this might not be this person, but I'm just in my head thinking about a client who's in this position. You almost feel entitled to have more results than you do, but you don't have them. So you can either say, A, I'm going to work harder and continue because I do want these results. Or you can say, B, it's not worth the effort for me to get those results. And we can't tell you that. Like you, And I think that so many people are afraid to say that. Like, actually... I now know what it takes to get X result and I don't want it anymore. Like that's yeah. absolutely fine. You could be like, I might say, yeah, do you know what? I'd really like a medical degree or like, I'd really like to go back and get my PhD. But then when I realize how much work that would take, I'm like, it's not worth it for me. I don't want it enough. Yeah. And people find that really hard to say that like, I don't want it enough. It's absolutely fine to say that. And it's so freeing because you've then said like you don't feel this entitlement anymore you're like yeah that's how much work it takes I don't want that then you can put that focus somewhere else in your life on something you do want yep I'm not sure that answered the question do you have it right let's go back to motivation (laughs) what tips do you have to like keep her motivated over the Christmas period and I think I guess my point was like go back and look at your why remember reframe it and remember that it is a choice yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. I think it's. But at the same point, going through back to the question, um, she's she's keeping things. She's keeping things going with not waiting to be motivated because she's still doing her workouts. She's still hitting her targets. Um, and it's 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 you know I think everybody thinks that fitness is easy and like getting in good shape's easy. It's not, and it's not even easy for people like us who do this as a, a li- as a as a living. You know. It, we still have days, we still have weeks, you still have months where you're like, I cannot be asked to go to the gym. I just don't want to do it. I just want to sit on my sit on my sofa and veg. But we still have that constant mental battle with ourselves as well. You know, just because, you know, I, I'm currently in a position where I'm really enjoying training. So my motivation is seeing what's happening in the mirror. It's great. But I know there'll be a position when I start to cut that I don't want to go to the gym. But I know to get to where I need to be, I'm going to have to go. And you, if she's already, if you're already doing that, you're already making, you're already making the, um, you're not waiting to be motivated, and you're already doing what you need to do. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant point. Like she's already doing a lot of the good things, and actually, yeah. 
it's a like I always say that it's the days that you don't that you're not motivated or the weeks or the months that you're not motivated but you still go those are the ones that really count and yeah. like to be the complete opposite of Andy I could not be less motivated at the moment my training is so boring I can barely do anything I'm in constant pain like I am not motivated to do anything mm. but I still get up and do it and it still makes me feel better but every yeah. morning I wake up thinking, I can't be asked. But once so, you get up and get going, like mo- action breeds motivation. And yeah. yet there will be periods of time where it's like, just really like, this isn't that enjoyable. But I think just to, like, what would you be doing? Think of it as an opportunity cost as well. If you're not doing this, what would you be doing? That's what I always think. Like, right, if I don't go to the gym today, is there a better option for me to do something else? Like, if you're not... If you're not going to eat well, train well, sleep well, like if you decide that's not worth it for you, for the effort, what would you be doing instead? Yeah. Or actually, is it? And like, are you just putting too much pressure on yourself to do everything? And as soon as you take that pressure away, you realize, I would be doing this anyway, but in just a better headspace. Yeah. Because that, well, the thing is, if you're, if you're putting your pressure on yourself like that, your headspace is already out the window. You know, so take that pressure off you, and when you relax into it a bit more, you'll probably find that that motivation will come back. I think it's it is a tough one because you know the motivation side of stuff that you, especially when you follow so much so much on social media. You know, everybody's so super motivated and getting getting the results that they want. And in actual fact, you know, it's probably not. It's probably you know the, the people that you follow on, on on your social media isn't a good isn't a good sort of basis to work out on how general joe actually feels you know a lot of the people that most you know if you go into your instagram maybe not you maybe not myself um but you know well to be fair like i'm not putting up i'm so demotivated right now i cannot be asked like i just don't think it's a helpful thing though and i don't think it's about not being authentic i just don't think it's helpful and more and more recently uh i think because of something i've just started doing but i've started thinking more about like my thoughts as are they useful or not not necessarily are they true or not because most of our thoughts are so subjective anyway like if i think i don't know i'm working hard or if i think andy's hat is really cool there's not a true or false answer to that like it's it's of course it is my hat is really cool (laughs) it's a perception right and most of our thoughts like whether right or wrong they're they're a perception so i think rather than we get so bogged down on like is that right or is that wrong yeah thinking more about is this useful to me at the moment and like is sharing negativity useful to me (laughs) no Mm. so i won't be doing that exactly um and then finally on this before we move on I think trying to reframe it again is from like it sounds like just from the way that you've written this like you're putting pressure on yourself as in like I should do this I should get to the gym I should eat well I should eat lower calories I should do this and it's like I get that you've tried to find positives and I like that you've been thinking about why you go to work and why you read and what you get from these things but I think reframing it into I get to and I'm realizing how much better your body feels when you're active, when you do your steps, when you hit your targets, when you fuel your body with good nutritious foods, that's the benefit you're getting here. Yeah. And that you think better, that you're, you know, you're going to be healthier for longer for your family. If you're not doing it for yourself, you can do it for others. Yeah. Feeling better about yourself 
means that you are better around everyone around you as well and they get you in a better mood and you as a healthier person there are so many whys that you should be or that you should be doing that oh god i just caught myself out doing it but that like would give you motivation to do this it's just sort of a bit of self-reflection i think and reframing it from i should do all this stuff to i get to do all this stuff and i completely empathize with how annoying it is to train around injury and how it's not particularly fun but yeah it's still something that's it that's it cool um okay next one um so creatine is worth taking this has been covered by you guys a number of times what about beta you know what almost every podcast yeah yeah i know it is Um, just wondering creatine i'm like creatine yeah um, what about beta alanine? I've read it could be good for endurance. For context, I have an ultra marathon next year. I've been looking at the awesome supplements performance blend. Contains three grams of both per portion. Any merit in it or not? I've Googled it, but just end up falling down the rabbit warren of Google and come out more confused when I started. P.S. I'm happy with the tingling when sipped and not downed like a pre-workout. Well, I'm going to let you cover this because I don't like it personally and i've never really used it um i will say that the best place if you're looking for any supplement and just sort of to have a bit of an overview on it and if it's appropriate for you or what side effects might be or dosages or like a condensed version of the research which isn't just a supplement company saying yes you should definitely take it examine.com so just put in whatever uh, supplement you're thinking about and examine google it should come up first article will be like all the yeah. research around it and in a in a way that there's normally a bit of a the first bit is just like what you definitely need to know about this and then yeah. if you want to read further you can so, so yeah so that's pretty much exactly when i saw this because i saw this question i think it was yesterday i just, again you know i i take pre-workout that has beta alanine in it um but just to go over and just make sure that i I know what i'm talking about when it comes to answering the question um so beta alanine is um beta alanine is it's a modified version of the amino acid acid alanine um it's generally the one along with citrulline malate it gives you that itchy feeling if you take it with a pre-workout which obviously you don't you're not a you're not a fan of my pre-workout it's this not morning. for me yeah, my pre-workout this morning was obviously ramped with it because I was itching behind the eyeballs. Um, it's got a bit of evidence to show that it helps with uh, enhanced muscular endurance. Um, probably looking at between, they reckon, certainly from examine, reckon between the 8 to 15 rep range. Um, it can improve um, moderate to high-intensity cardiovascular exercise, like rowing or sprinting. So it's probably not going to be any use for ultramarathons. Um, it might give you a little bit, but if you're doing an ultra marathon, you're going to have to be supplementing that all the way through the race. Is that, can you do that? Is it going to do anything for you? I'm not really not too sure. Um, or maybe you would take it right at the end, just before your sprint finish. Exactly. As you're, I don't know. I'd... As you're Usain bolting it over the line. Yeah. So yeah, the beta alanine side of stuff for me, it's, for me, it is um, it's the extra extra reps I can get out of my sort of um, for the endurance on that side for ca- uh, for cardiovascular stuff. Probably wouldn't really. 
I, I I've never really thought about using it that way. So um, yeah, it's worth get the big... yourself some beetroot juice instead. <laughs> some beetroot juice. Get all the nitric nitrate. Is it in the nitri- nitrogen in nitrogen and nitrates? One, it? Nitrates. It's the stuff that gives you serious pump. Um, the better I would try is and try improved it. oxygen transport. So I would suggest the beetroot juice. Beetroot juice. There you go. Excellent. Right. From general tips on maintaining fat loss progress over Christmas, please. We'd also would love a 12 days of Christmas body routine that could be a wee, like a wee blast when you're in the house over Christmas, tempted to reach for the celebrations. We've got you, gal. That'll be coming. Don't you stress. We'll be coming shortly. Yes. Um, general tips on maintaining fat loss, though. I mean, it's exactly the same as any other time of year. You need to maintain an energy deficit. I think realizing that Christmas doesn't have to be mental with the food. And even if you had a pretty big Christmas, like three days of kind of overeating or eating in excess, it's still not going to put you out of a month's deficit if you've been consistent for the rest of the month. Yeah. So and it completely depends what your goals are. Like you might say, yeah, I want to continue with fat loss over Christmas. You might say, I'm gonna come up to maintenance. You might, and I think this is what a lot of my clients have sort of decided. Is they're like, yeah, I'm gonna take the pressure off, but I'm still probably gonna aim for ballpark fat loss, which I yeah. think is quite a good idea. Where where you're like, yeah, I know that roughly my maintenance is probably about I don't know, say two thousand. But I'm still going to eat in a bit of a deficit because like long-term fat loss is my goal, but I'm not going to apply the same sort of pressure that I normally do where I really try and stick to my calorie goal over the the week, for example. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're right. You're, what you may have said about your potential two or three days over Christmas eating slightly bigger meals, you know, it's exactly that. That's two days, not... 32 or 30 days of the month like as soon as you get you get back onto your routine have a couple of days as a kind of rest and then back onto your routine after that it doesn't snowball into i'm having oh i'll just have those three mince pies and i'll have the extra and that so once you've had that once that's gone it's gone treat it like that's how probably what i would treat it as is 25th 26th and I'm back to normal on the 27th. That's yeah. pretty much what we do. I think that's a really great point. I think there's like two traps that people can fall into there. Like, I think what you're saying makes complete sense is then you're like, right, in my head, I'm going to say on those days, I'm not really dieting. I'll still be mindful of what I eat. I'll still enjoy the food. Because really, when yeah. you overeat, you don't actually enjoy the food. So that's something else to yeah. remember. Like, enjoy the food. Eat slowly. Eat consciously. Eat with your family. Yeah. Like, it's an enjoyable thing. But sometimes when people have in their head, no, I'll stick to my diet until Christmas Day, Boxing Day, and then I get back. It turns into like a binge on Christmas Day, Boxing Day, because they're like, oh, these are my quote unquote free days. And it's like a glorified cheat meal again, where it's like, oh, these are my days off. So I'm going to have a cheat day for this. And it turns into that kind of mindset. That isn't what we want. But as Andy's saying, like what, what does tend to be the problem is it's not, christmas day and boxing day and new year's day it's actually the whole festive period where you do that just prolongs so it's like 
yeah i'm quite good up until christmas but then that massive time between christmas and new year which we always think is about two days but it's actually about 10 like that yep. just turns into just continued overeating because no one has anything to do and you've still got all this food and that's the problem like that's yeah. the problem time so enjoy christmas enjoy new year i would i would like rein it in a bit obviously you're on commit to six so you've got us as coaches to keep you accountable and on track and questioning what you're doing and not just mindlessly eating for a whole 14 days or whatever um yeah perfect um so next question we know optimally for muscle protein synthesis to have about four servings of 25-ish grams of protein i know we want to hit saturation and drop back to whatever baseline is but why what would be the real life difference, for example, between four times 25 gram servings or eight times 12 and a half gram servings? So the reason we want you to get back down to baseline levels is because muscle protein synthesis, nailed it, cannot be um, stimulated again unless it reaches this baseline level again to be stimulated again so if you were having multiple servings of uh what was it 12.5 grams of protein then you're always gonna like your muscle protein synthesis rates will go up but then you're not letting them drop back down again in order to be maximally stimulated so if you wanted to get the most from this response in terms of like affecting your muscle protein balance then you're gonna want to do that every couple of hours so that you can maximally simulate it let it come down and maximally simulate it again rather than just hovering around a little bit yeah good nice what an answer that is very succinct <laughs> thank you um one of the things i love most about this plan versus others i've been on is the flexibility i get as long as i hit my calories protein and veg i can eat whatever i want i love the principle of principle of it just being about a calorie deficit i find myself being able to hit protein and veg but i've been cutting carbs from my diet in order to be able to eat more snacks snacks which i wouldn't deem healthy for example chocolate and crisps i'm just a little one in there they are carbs so you're not really cutting carbs from your diet um are nothing any, gets past andy are there any longer term health considerations to take into account when making food choices i've been very used to previous diets being based on clean foods um so wondered what your thoughts on this are oh so many things to unpack here um Firstly, I think a good point to make in terms of adherence and enjoyment, like you're obviously enjoying this plan more, is that when you stuck to these quote-unquote clean food diets, one, how long did it last? Two, did you enjoy it? Like, did you have a social life with it? Was it maintainable for you? And I would also, like, although you're fitting in treats here and there with some crisps and some chocolate, which, like, arguably you could say that would be better coming from other sources again a kind of negligible amount when you're already hitting your protein and you're getting in enough fruit and veg yeah um what was my point there but i'm willing to bet like given that i know roughly what your diet is still about like 80 90 percent of your diet is what we would deem like clean foods or like good healthy nutritious foods and then you're fitting in these other things on top of that and it's something that we teach on commit to six because initially some people start on the skeleton plan which is quite a like 
quote unquote again clean food plan where there isn't like cakes and chocolates and stuff in there but then you've got extra calories there that if you want to spend on ice cream you can if you want to have a packet of crisps you can because there's that flexibility in there but i know that you've got the baseline of a really good healthy nutritious diet that's hitting all of your needs in terms of your fruit and veg and your protein and your micros and getting in a variety and getting in enough fats like all these things that are really important to your long-term diet so you're already doing that and that extra sort of like 20-ish percent most people say like oh 80 percent this 20 percent that but it does end up being roughly about 20 percent that you're like playing around with a bit that's great like that's so important to adherence and will it have long-term health consequences no like there isn't a perfect diet and we keep coming back to this and it and people think that there's this, okay, well, yeah, this is good, but could it be even better if I was even stricter? And the answer is no. Yeah, I think you're, you're totally right that, you know, the the issue with, certainly with the, the whole, um, if it fits your macros, was that people were genuinely just eating shit, like literally pizzas and chocolate and stuff. And yeah, as you say- Yes and no, like, even if you're, it, so- you could get away with that a little bit more with like flexible dieting of just hitting calories or just hitting calories and protein. But if it fits your macros, it's actually quite hard to eat crap. Like as in, if you're still trying to hit a calorie, like a calorie protein, um, carb and fat target every day, it's actually quite hard to eat mostly bad food doing that or like junk food doing that. Still most people's diets, especially in terms of, the satiety effect as well like yeah you could you could eat mostly junk food and still hit your protein just about you know just eating protein bars and stuff and and not get any fruit and veg in and not get healthy fats in but you'd really start to struggle and you'd see that in your performance in your energy levels in your hunger because you can imagine how hungry you'd be without food volume yeah that's i think that's the big one isn't it it's you know you've got number one is the adherence side of stuff if you can give people flexibility to to not have to to restrict themselves from foods that they still enjoy because that's the same this is it's a similar thing if i was to tell somebody you're not allowed if chocolate is oh what's your favorite food? chocolate you're not allowed that for six months what's the first thing that they're going to binge on it's chocolate isn't it it's because you've told them that they can't have it and it's the the adam and eve the the um, the apple you know if you're not allowed it that's what you want it's just it's it's just the way that your head works so being able to do that makes it much easier and exactly as you say you know the the whole the consider the health considerations you know if you're working to what you're needing to do there's not going to be any long-term health considerations that you're going to have to worry about on that stuff Um, yeah and if you think about the health considerations in terms of like I mean, you're going to be fitter, stronger, leaner, healthier in so many ways. Like, would it make a difference if you had another apple in comparison to, like, a small chocolate bar? No. No, exactly. Yeah, totally. Excellent. Right. Uh, Two to go. Um, Very happy gyms are back open. However, due to working in childcare, I often have to go late in the evening. Question is regarding post-training meal timing. If you have hit protein target within your calories during the day, how important is consuming something post-training? Same if trained early morning, but don't eat until lunch. Does this really matter? 
great question. Um, yes and no. Like, is it going to make... Do you know what? I always sort of wonder this. Like, would it make real world difference if we had two people and one of them nailed their food timing or their protein timing around their training and one of them didn't? Like, would we be able to see the difference? Now, let's say that protein was matched. So both are eating, I don't know, for argument's sake, 100 grams of protein a day. But yeah. one of them is having it like an hour before an hour after their training session and the other one is waiting till lunch even though they trained in the morning is it going to make a big difference i don't think we would see physically the difference like it's going to be quite small but yeah saying that is it a sensible thing to do yes like Mm -hmm. do i do it yes like can i time my protein close to my training then yes i will like i think that's a good time i also think that like even if you're setting yourself a bit of a like a more generalized rule of I'm gonna eat at least 25 grams of protein within two hours of my training session, whether that be an hour before or an hour after, like at one of those occasions, even yeah. that is like a pretty good consideration to make. So you might say, okay, I'm not getting to the gym till late, but I have my dinner before I go. So like the protein is there, like amino yeah. acids in my blood while I'm working out, probably ideal really. The one that's a little bit more problematic uh, is if you've not eaten all night, obviously, because you've been asleep, and then you get up and train fasted, and then you don't eat till lunchtime. Like, I think even just having a protein shake and a banana on your way to work, or well, it doesn't have to be a huge meal, it can be something that's convenient, I think that would be beneficial. Yeah. But def- having said that, like what I said at the start about, like, it's prob- it's... I don't know if you'd notice the difference and if you're not like a bodybuilder then maybe it's not worth it but equally I'm kind of like well why not do it because it probably it cover makes your, a lot cover of your sense bases. Yeah. yeah cover cover the bases not I you um okay last question I've struggled to gain weight muscle as I was meant to over the last six weeks I'm actually three kilograms down because I love doing too many workouts Thinking over Christmas, the excess calories should make this much more feasible. But since I can already be pretty certain of a lot of the extra calories will come from alcohol, will this still be possible to build muscle from? I will keep getting protein in, but is there any reason that alcohol calories can't be turned to energy? I mean, this can certainly be turned to energy in terms of, but like, I don't. Oh, I've not, I've not actually really thought much about this. It's a, that's it's quite an interesting question, isn't it? Yeah, because I mean, in theory, if you're in a surplus, you're getting in enough protein and you're stimulating that muscle, then it will grow. I think a bigger issue with this person is that if you're overtraining, you won't grow as well. Like I can yeah. guarantee, if you're trying to build muscle and you're still trying to train seven days a week, and you know, do a huge step count and all this stuff, you will not get as good results as if you prioritize your recovery as much as your training yeah and it takes such a long time to get into people's heads with that and i'm saying that because like i was exactly the same i was like i'm gonna train twice a day and like not recover as well and then when i stopped doing that i got far better results and i even even seeing that in myself as a fact (laughs) i was still like yeah but it'd be better if i was training more like no it wouldn't not unless you have the time to recover more the only reason that like elite level athletes get away with training more is because that's their job all they do is train and recover 
and they do yeah. take their recovery really seriously and they are always in bed by 9 p.m and they do like go and see a massage therapist and make sure their meal timings are on point and do all these things that are going to help them recover optimally yeah. if that's not you and you've got a full-time job and a family to look after and all these other factors then you probably you're not going to get the benefit of training more often and actually you would get more benefit from training less yeah i think that's the start of that the start of that question the fact that you're three kilograms down when you're trying to gain muscle is a pretty big indicator that you're probably pushing it too hard you're overshooting pretty sure you haven't gained muscle yeah exactly that's it and it's i think it is i think it's a it is a difficult i think for a lot of people is quite a difficult notion to get in your head that you sit and go if i train more i'll gain more muscle not necessarily you know train smarter um make sure your recoveries you're ticking the boxes on your recovery you're getting enough sleep you're getting the calories in your protein in um you know these things are the things that count you know it's not always about doing more you know doing more Sometimes we'll get you results, but in this in this this um this goal when it comes to building muscle, if you're doing too much, you're creating yourself a calorie deficit where you're already your 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 muscle or your body fat's going to come down, but you're probably going to lose a bit of lean muscle as well. When in actual fact you're trying to go the opposite way, it's you're negating everything that you're doing. So, um, yeah, be a basically take smarter. a step back. Are your actions aligned with your goals, and they're yeah. not at the moment. And so yeah. we need to change those actions. But yeah, yeah. Um, we can talk about that in your check-in anyway. Yes. Perfect. I think that's it. Have you anything from you? Are you all good? I'm all good and really hungry. I'm starving. What are you going to have? Oh, I've got cheesy, like a red Leicester cheese loaf. Oh. I think I'm going to have with some um, eggs in a cup. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it's eggs in a cup. Absolutely brilliant. Love it. Love Dream. it. Dream. Like. Okay. What, what have you got? I'm going to have poached eggs, but I'm going to make them in a pan because I'm posh. Very nice. Very nice. Okay, peace. Ciao, ciao.